Welcome to Sci Vibes, where we bring you corridor and coffee break chats with scientists from all over the world. I'm Anna. And I'm Kelsey at the International Center for Theoretical Physics, ICTP, in Trieste, Italy. Today, we're featuring highlights from a conversation we had with Charles Bennett, one of the 2017 winners of ICTP's Dirac Medal, an award given annually to scientists who have made significant contributions to theoretical physics. Three quantum computing pioneers were awarded the medal last year, and we got to chat with all three when they came to ICTP for the award ceremony. We're featuring conversations with last year's winners to get you thinking about who you want to nominate for this year. The deadline to nominate scientists to be honored with the ICTP Dirac Medal is coming up on June 15th, and you can find more information about how to nominate somebody on our website. Charles Bennett is an intellectual leader in quantum information science. Four decades ago, he independently invented what is now known as reversible classical computation. He also helped invent quantum cryptography and introduced quantum teleportation, and his list of accomplishments keeps going. Bennett got his PhD in 1970 from Harvard, but it wasn't in computation. It was in molecular dynamic studies, or the computer simulation of molecular motion. We asked him how he got from studying molecular motion to thinking about quantum computation. I was doing calculations on molecular motion in solids, and Landauer gave a talk at a physics conference that my postdoctoral advisor, Anissa Rachman, Argonne Laboratory, said, let's go to this physics conference. So we went there, and his talk was about the energy requirements of computation. And in that, he said that it seemed that people had made a lot of offhand remarks that every kind of elementary information processing operation like copying data from one place to another or doing an add or subtract of a digit should use up about as much energy as average energy of molecular motion. And several physicists, including smart people like von Neumann, had said things like that, especially in trying to figure out how much energy the brain has to use. And Landauer had approached this question more systematically and found that some operations can be done with arbitrarily little energy compared to that thermal energy. And other ones did seem to use that much, but these were the operations that threw away information about the previous state of the computer. For example, erasing a bit that might be zero or one to make it a zero. But he said those operations seem to be unavoidable in any kind of useful computation. Think of when you multiply two numbers, you get a lot of intermediate results that you don't really care about and you erase them by the time you're done with the computation. So he said he thinks that that was the fundamental reasons why computers had to use electricity, an unavoidable reason. So I began thinking about that more systematically. It was partly something that I had been prepared for inadvertently by teaching a course on uh, molecular biology. I was a teaching assistant in that course where James D. Watson from the DNA Watson and Crick had been teaching a course for undergraduate non-science majors, exciting things in science. The other thing that I had done as a graduate student, as an elective, I'd taken a course in the theory of computation and mathematical logic. So I'd heard of the idea of a Turing machine, which is a simple model of computation in which there's a head that moves back and forth along a tape, has very little memory, but it remembers what it's doing because it keeps enough information on the tape. And I thought that was sort of like a ribosome moving along the messenger RNA to translate it, it was sort of doing a computation. And then I thought, well, I've, I've just studied chemistry. I know about what the thermodynamic requirements of chemical reactions are. So I realized this question that Landauer was asking, how much could you reprogram computations so that they didn't have irreversible steps in them, was a question that could be asked in terms of Turing machines and could be answered in terms of the thermodynamics of chemical reactions of things like the genetic code. So I started thinking that 
while I was a postdoc. And then I applied for a job at IBM in 1973 and they gave me a postdoctoral job there and then I got a permanent job and I've been there ever since. So it was Landauer coming and asking this really fundamental question and happening to get me thinking about things that I had been inadvertently prepared in advance to think about. And then more recently, what have you been working on? Quantum information processing. That was something where a classmate of mine, Stephen Wiesner, he had some ideas about things that you could do with information that were different from what Shannon, in his landmark paper about information theory, had covered. Together, Turing and Shannon had made a tremendous abstraction of saying, computing is a thing that you can understand separate from the particulars of the hardware. And Shannon's uh, abstraction was even more profound. He said, we can understand communication without thinking about the meaning of the messages. So this Stephen Wiesner, he wrote a paper, which wasn't published until 15 years later, which he showed me the manuscript of, and we discussed about things that you can do with information in physical systems, in quantum systems, that you couldn't describe even by this, the Shannon theory. So to make this fairly long story short, I got involved in the work of quantum information processing. Wiesner, who at that time was going on and doing other things, sort of political activism and so on, didn't really get back to this for later. He showed me this idea. I thought it was great. I started talking with my colleagues. And the first computer scientist that I talked to about it, I think, was Gilles Brassard. And I also talked with David Deutsch, who's here today, who had the same idea that, that the quantum way of thinking about things, because it was the more general and profound way of thinking about the way physical objects behave, is the right basis for the theory of computing. You can find out more about each episode on our website at ictp.it, and you can subscribe to our podcast for more Coffee Breaks with Scientists. Tell us what you think about the podcast by reviewing it or by emailing us at scivibes at icdp.it. We'll see you next episode.